If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I want to make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pull back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3x increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from $8,000 per month, for example, to $20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. to double your sales now your resources to selling strategies tips and best practices to take your performance to the next level there's no reason you can't double your sales so let's get to it with your sales coach ursula menches welcome to double your sales now where you learn all the tips mindset shifts tools and strategies to two times your sales in any niche I'm your host, Ursula Minches, and I'm super excited to dive into today's show. I have Ray Anderson with us, and Ray and I met years ago in the Inland Empire, which is in Southern California. We met through business associates, and we've just kept in touch over the years, so I'm excited to have Ray on the show. He's got lots and lots of things he can share with us today. So, hi, Ray. Welcome. I'm so glad to have you with us. Hi, Ursula. It's good to hear your voice. This is going to be fun. And when you reached out to me, I just want to say thank you. I know we've been connected via our lists, I think, in different ways for many years, but thanks for reaching out. I thought, oh my gosh, I want to have Ray on the show because you have years of experience not only with teams, but also with sales teams. And I know what you have to share today is going to be valuable. So for all of our listeners, let me tell you about Ray. So for 30 years, Ray has been developing small business leaders and helping them get their people right, quote, in order to get their business right, quote. In 1993, he founded ABC around the concept of a no-collar workforce, taking your best blue-collar worker and teaching them the white-collar fundamentals of good business, unleashing their potential for benefit for themselves and the organization they serve. While this concept sounds simple, Ray quickly discovered implementing it is not. And today, more than ever, businesses are resource-starved and people are doing multiple jobs, frequently performing poorly, and not using their strengths. And Ray actually has five simple principles to the no-collar transformation that he teaches. And I'm not going to dive into those because Ray's going to be sharing some things at the end. Let's talk about your business and selling first. And you've been in business for 30 years. And so, Ray, when you think back to when you first launched your business, do you remember having any limiting beliefs about sales or selling? Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's like sales is always a difficult thing no matter who you are or what you are, but it, it also ties in with uh, our, our beliefs. And the truth is that if you talk to anybody, and that included me back when I started, Nobody wants to be a salesperson because we've got these bad attitudes about them. We've all been pushed into something. So, yeah, I had to overcome that, and I did that by working on relationships, which was my strength. And so 
you know, I was able to double my business in a real short amount of time just simply by using my referral network and working with other people who believed in me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that because I was going to ask when you doubled your business for the first time. So, so thinking back, I, I want to dig into this because we live in a time, uh, as you know, and everybody listening knows of social media. We live in a time of emails and texting and we rarely, I say we, but I know that's not true for everyone. Uh, but in general, we rarely pick up the phone and just call someone. You know, we think it's easier. It takes less time to just send an email when that might not actually be true. So going back, talk to us about when you talk about relationships and your referral network, what kind of tips would you have for our listeners about how you developed a referral network, how your referral network started actually sending you business opportunities? Like, I feel like that's kind of a lost art. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you asking that. And, and basically, uh, if you recall, <laughs> so the way we we met is through a, a network of people that we happen to know, and we attended an event together, and that's kind of what started our relationship. And so the point that I've always been able to leverage both for my businesses and I try to do for my clients is that our program is called Good Herd Leadership. It's not come by its money in the bank. And so that all that's premised on the idea, if you're nice to people, if you smile, if you talk to them in a way that's that's meaningful, you're going to get business. So the point is that you have to you have to act like a, a good person with meaningful intentions and authenticity, and people respond. And you know, basically, I think that's what first connected you and I together because we saw in each other people who are authentic. Right, and I, I agree. And we we tend to attract people like ourselves. And I could tell that we both yeah. have this desire to help clients and. We've actually had some overlap with clients over the years. And, you know, I, I think back, you're right. We met at an event and, you know, someone there wanted to connect us, another great networker. And what's interesting about that, though, is the word event, because I think I think this is kind of a well-kept secret for those of us who have been out networking for a while. For some of those who are listening who have been, you know, maybe you're newer to business, one of the best-kept secrets, I think, is that you can meet your best uh, potential clients, your best prospects, your best networking referral partners at events. And most people don't even think of that as networking. But Ray, in your experience, how powerful have events been for you? Well, I, I think events, you know, have a huge impact on, on business. You know, the, the truth is, is you went back to the first thing, you know, when, when we think about sales, we think about picking up the phone and pounding on it, you know, and cold calling, you know, and for some people, uh, and I have several people who are good at that, that I know, but that was never my particular gift or something that I was good at. But if I went to an event and I just started a conversation with somebody, and I think that's one of the tips that I would give people is that, you know, initiate a conversation, you know, and it doesn't have to be hard. And and I use the disc a lot, you know, to help people understand their style. And, of course, there are introverts who say, well, what am I going to say? How am I going to get started? But the truth is that when you see somebody and you smile at them and you simply say, gosh, tell me a little bit about your business or who you are, Everybody is flattered when you talk about them. So when you start talking to people about who they are, what they do, what makes them feel important, they want to reciprocate. And so it gives you a door into authentically sharing what you want to share with them without making it feel like it's a smarmy sales pitch, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think keying in on how you like to sell is so important. You know, I have clients as well who, who actually love to cold call and it's an important part of their business and other clients who it's just not necessary. It's not how 
they should be meeting clients. It doesn't really make sense, especially if they're dealing with um, individuals more than calling on corporations. But it's it's knowing the best way to follow up. So I'm curious. I know you've done a lot of networking, and our listeners, you know, they they love all kinds of tips. But in terms of, and you don't have to name specific organizations, but in terms of networking, any advice on where we should be networking, who should we be hanging out with? You know, what have you learned over your 30 years about the best ways or places to network? Well, I think for me, you know, because I have a specific market niche and mine is manufacturing. So whenever there's an event in the Inland Empire that does one of two things, either it talks about the economy or it talks about manufacturing, etc., I try to get there. And the truth is when you go to those events, Many times, the people that you really want to get to aren't there. You know, when I think about my market niche manufacturing, most of those guys are so absolutely busy that they right. don't take the time out of the day to go to these things. However, there's CPAs, there's insurance brokers, there's bankers, there's um, there's attorneys, all of whom attend these events. And these are the people I try to build relationships with because basically – if a manufacturer has a close advisory relationship with a CPA and that CPA says, you know, I really think you need to talk to Ray Anderson, I'm in the door. Vice versa, you know, and you remember this, Ursula, I had a client that was struggling with sales and I said, you know, you really need to talk to Ursula because I think she's going to help you with sales. I hadn't made that introduction. You wouldn't have been able to get in the door because they don't know who you are. So I try to use networking in order to build relationships that already have relationships with the clients that I, I want to get to. Yeah, it's a great, great point. And, and thanks again, because that was a client that I loved, loved working with. And, you know, it takes a while to develop those referral networking relationships or those partnerships. It takes a while for you to be willing to say, talk to Ursula. She'd be great to help you in the area of sales. So how do you, and I know this, like I hear from so many of my clients, they're like, oh, I, you know, I, we had a client one time who, who was giving so many referrals away, but they they just were never coming back, and it was heartbreaking. So we really worked with her on how to ask for referrals and how to get how to receive them as well. What are some of your tips on Nelly? We know that you're great at giving referrals, but how do you ask for them, or do you ask for them? The the real challenge is if you build a relationship with somebody and then they begin to appreciate what you do. Here's been my experience, and I think you uh, certainly appreciate that. Unless and until they understand what I do and they already have a trusted relationship, they're always in this position of saying, geez, I really don't want to refer somebody in that doesn't, uh, that may make a mistake or may not do what, you know, the referral source that it really intended. So wherever possible, I try to share with my my referral partner what I've accomplished or actually have them experience what I've accomplished. And whenever that's happened, it's made a huge impact, and that's how I get in the door. So that would be my tip to somebody. If you want a referral partner, you have to demonstrate your skills and your abilities in the marketplace that they're working in. Such a great point. Thank you for sharing that. And and I know I want to circle back to something you said. I take lots of notes. People are surprised. Like, how do you remember that? But I wanted to make sure we came back to, you talked about your niche. You said, my niche is manufacturing. Now, clearly what you do in the areas of team building, organizational development, you could do that with a million companies, right? You could be looking everywhere across the globe for clients, but you got really clear that your niche is manufacturing. How did you get that level of clarity? Because 
for most people, finding a niche or getting really narrow on their target client means that they're not going to have enough business, right? So there's that sort of that limiting belief out there. We talk a lot about beliefs on this, this show. So for you, when, how did you get clear, Ray, so that you could say, manufacturing is my niche? Because you said it, you own it, like we know that's your niche. Well, uh, you know, so I'll try to give you some back end on this that also helps with my referral partners, whether it's a banker, CPA, or attorney or whatever. But basically, you know, I have developed this expertise in California to get them money from the ETP. That's the Employment Training Panel. So the point is that if you're in manufacturing, you've got 50 or more employees, I can get them 50000 to 100000 even more money to be able to offset the cost of developing their team, training, etc. So if I'm working with a CPA, as an example, and I tell them, hey, look, you've got client X, which is in manufacturing, um, I know that my training would help. But basically, it's a cost to them. If I were to be able to show them a way in which we can offset that cost and, in fact, have it, nothing come out of their pocket, would that make it easier for us to make the approach? Well, clearly, if, it, if the guy's a CPA, he realizes if the company gets money and then is able to use me anyway, it makes a huge difference. So that's been a way in which I've leveraged it, and that's why manufacturing has been kind of my niche simply because I have access to these monies and they're designed to specifically work with manufacturing. Brilliant. And from a, we talk a lot about the quantum world. I mean, what an amazing discovery for you to find these monies that you can basically gift to manufacturing companies in California so that they can grow their businesses by utilizing your training. Like, I remember when we talked about that, it kind of blew my mind for a while. I was like, look at how magical that is. Like, here's this opportunity that Ray has uncovered. And so, for our listeners in California, I know some of you are going to want to reach out to Ray about this and see how you might be able to partner with him, and he'll have his information at the end. But it's just from a business perspective, talk about, like, growing your business vision and the opportunity and the money for your clients showing up. Like, I don't know how it gets better than that, Ray. That's just such an amazing thing that you've created So or plugged into, I guess. You, you saw the opportunity. So, Ray, what I'm curious about is, you know, looking back, after you significantly increased your sales the first time, what did you believe about sales and selling then? Or what became really clear to you about the potential opportunity you were sitting on? For me, you know, the idea of, of first of all, overcoming, you know, some of the the, in, the inside feeling of being uh, in sales was not a part of who I was. You know, uh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with sales, et cetera. I began to rethink it and realize this is a way for me to really help this organization unless I get a chance to speak to them about this through a referral network or somebody else. I'm never going to be able to help them. And so unless I'm willing to go out in confidence and say, hey, look, I can, you know, I can help transform your team. And we've been able to double people's sales and we've got them four times their net profit because when you get people engaged, you can transform the business. So understanding the capacity and what was possible gave me more confidence in being able to go out there and say it in such a way that they they could hear it instead of feeling like they're being sold something. Does Does that make sense? It does, for sure. I mean, we talk a lot about that on the show, just that the piece of we, we move from limiting beliefs and fear around selling to, wow, I'm really helping someone, I'm making a difference. And then once we get out of the way, it just gets easier and easier. And I know now you've helped so many clients reach multiple goals. And so let's go there. So talking about sales strategies, our listeners love to hear this part of, like, what did you do? We know networking clearly has been a powerful strategy for you to grow your business. But what are the top two strategies that you use to double your sales in the, in the very beginning? Well, as I matured and, and understood what I was doing, it was very easy for me to say, hey, you have access to this 
free money. So for me, that became kind of the formal strategy in terms of getting in the door. Because the truth is, when, when you work inside of an environment with the owner of a manufacturing company, this challenge that we have is that he's been sold a lot of things in the past that didn't work, and he's not really convinced that he'd get more out of his team. So you almost always have to go in with some way in which it's not going to cost him anything. And that in itself is the strategy I tried to really, really uh, refine so that it would permit me to continue to grow the business and get in the door. Because if I don't give the person what they want, they'll never get what they need, if that makes sense. And to me, that was the biggest issue. And the other strategy in sales is being able to understand that the first step was getting them what they wanted so that you had the, the opportunity to build a relationship and really give them what they needed. So, yeah, so giving them what they want, knowing that if you didn't talk to them, you couldn't help them. That, but once you were able to connect with them, you could really go deep and wide into an account and help them figure out what else they might need. So, right. well, and, I think, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say, you know, the, what, what they all need is to understand that an engaged employee can produce twice as much as a person who, what I call, either is in benign compliance or toxic compliance, which means they're creating problems instead of building the business. So that was my hope, was to get in the door so I could begin to then develop their organization and develop their people and their understanding of the importance of that relationship inside. So powerful, which is a perfect segue into you sharing more with us. I mean, we know you're an expert in organizational development, um, but also getting the best out of people and developing teams. So, Ray, I'd love to hear your top two to three strategies. And, you know, we've got a good five minutes, so I'd love for you to dig into this and, you know, just what you've learned over the years and some really powerful tips for our, our business owners who have employees. You know, one of the one of the things I try to share is those, those you know, tremendous successes that I've had in which we've been able to really, really make a difference and use that as kind of a leverage to open up their eyes, ears, and heart to what really can be done. I don't know, this may not come as a surprise to you, but my best clients have been women. And I particularly remember this one, and I share this with my clients, in which she had been in marketing, had excellent abilities to build and sustain relationships, which I think is the foundation of, of all growth, including in sales. And she came out of marketing and she told her boss, and they owned six manufacturing companies in the western United States, one of them in the Inland Empire in Paris. And you know where that is. For the rest of your folks, we're not talking about uh, the Paris in Europe. Right. But, but anyway, she, she got there, and they gave her as a chance to be a plant manager in the worst plant in a six-plant network. When she arrived, she was the third plant manager in a matter of two years. So the people who were supervisors literally – this is a 24-7 operation, came in, and because she was a woman, they kind of dismissed her and said, well, look, we appreciate your being here, and we're glad you're here, but, you know, you're the third client manager we've had in four years, and so if we need you, we'll come and get you. And I remember I used to call her the, the velvet pit bull, and what was fascinating about this is that, you know, she then reorganized the, the whole plant and reduced these supervisors to technicians. She said, if you want that job, you have to get a college degree. And she really began to put her way through this organization and demonstrate that she was in control, not for herself, but to make this a better organization. And in less than 18 months, it went to, from worst to first. And it just was stellar because of her ability to engage the people and hold them accountable to something. And I played a key role in, in being the advisor in that and helping that happen. So to me, that's kind of the strategy and how once I had gotten into her, 
and we saw those results, that opened the door for me to be able to go to other real referral partners or people that I had talked to in the manufacturing, and they said, can you do that for us? Wow, because they saw their worst go to first. That's incredible. And so any tips on how, like, you talked about engagement and accountability. Like, how did, like, what things did you coach her on specifically, or how did you help her help her employees engage more and become more accountable with her? I think one of the, the biggest challenges I see is this, what I call, you know, there, in our program we have five principles. The first one starts with a shared vision. You know, my experience is, you know, and I've done this with CEOs in a room, and I've done this with management teams in which I say, look, before we get started, I'd like everybody to write down what the, what's the vision for the company. And as you might suspect, uh, invariably, if you've got seven people in the room, you've got seven different ideas of what that vision is. Well, think about the confusion. If this is a leadership team, Imagine what the front line is like or the department managers or other people. You know, they all have their own bias as to what's going on. They get very little information that's, that's really centered on what has to happen inside the organization. So that notion of shared vision, I call it um, hierarchical communication. And you have to establish a pattern in which everybody gets access to it, whether you're in the sales department or if you're in the manufacturing end in the operations and shipping. You need to know what are we doing here and why is what I do important and how am I being rewarded to do that. Uh, and so that's that's literally kind of the heart of what I do. And the only way I get in the door is by saying, hey, I can get you $50,000 to retrain your workers. Right. And then they say, okay. And then, and then you're yeah. in. So having that shared vision is important. What else do you want to share? Is there anything else under the five simple principles that you share or what else, um, any other tips that you want yeah. to add? Yeah, let me let me add this. I think, you know, because you've been in this environment and I've been in this, fifth one that's really important is fearless feedback. And what I've learned is that most small manufacturing or any kind of a small to medium-sized company is like a fiefdom. What I mean by that, the king and his children are the princes and people do what they say. They never challenge them because it's not their position to challenge them. And so the executives and the leadership team have to create enough vulnerability inside to say, look, without your help, we can't do this. And I make mistakes. I need your input. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen CEOs make decisions based on faulty input from people who are trying to tell them what they thought they wanted to hear as opposed to what they needed to hear. And so when you can break that down and you can make people feel safe with fearless feedback, they will give you the information you need to help them, and they will then in turn help you get to what you want, which is what you're here for. You know, here's the results we need. Can you help us get them? And once they're engaged, they go, yeah, we can do that. So uh, if that makes sense, that's those are the bookends to these five principles, you know, shared mm-hmm. vision and fearless feedback. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Obviously, I mean, people knowing, you know, everyone in the company understanding what the vision is, but also being open to fearless feedback, which – I think it's tough. Like I, I don't think most yeah. of us, you know, are in a climate where we want to hear it. And, you know, we're in a climate too, where there's so much feedback all the time, you know, where I, I mean, just the news and people commenting freely. And so I think people get a little bit afraid of that. I'm guessing though, that you, when you work with companies, you help, you help set it up so that that, that it's a safe environment for fearless feedback. Right. Well, and I think, yes, you know, the point is that I'm always a third party neutral person. So I, to, to maintain the trust, I have to be able to work inside the organization without taking sides of either the management or the executive team or whatever, because it's not about me, it's not about them, it's about what's best for the organization and how do we achieve the results that, that we're all intent on. 
And when you do that, it opens the door, you know, and there's three principles of communication that I really kind of trying to work on. You know, when the stakes are high, in other words, go to, I'm going to lose my job. When emotions run strong and we have a very different way of approaching things. And so if you get inside of an organization, you know, the sales are out there selling things we haven't made yet and the production saying, what are you guys doing? You know, and, and right. safety in the conversation and the uh, opportunity to be able to fearlessly give feedback disappears as people move into anger and frustration. So my responsibility is to help them understand how to master conflict and be able to use it in such a way that people are comfortable in sharing uncomfortable information so that we can really get everybody connected and working together in that shared vision. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing those tips. And we're getting close to the end of our time, Ray, but I'm, I'm curious. So let's switch gears here. So let's go back to you putting your business owner hat on. Often we have people who are listening to the show and they might be having a fantastic year already. Things are off to a great start. Others, you know, might feel like, ooh, I'm the second month into the, the new year and things aren't going the way I thought them, you know, I thought they would. What's your advice for those people who might be struggling a little bit right now? You know, I think, I think what I was trying to share here is that for them, it's stepping back to trying to remember who are they and what are they trying to accomplish. And for me, it's always been, I just believe in frontline people. You know, I think they have so much more to offer than what people know. The question is, how do we share that information, whether you're in sales or whatever business you are, in such a way that the people who really need to hear it are willing to hear what you've got to say? And without having a bridge to that in terms of a referral partner, or something meaningful that, that they want, you'll never get there. And so I'm just trying to remind people that if they're really confident in what they have, then they just need to go back and try to hone their skills of being able to find out how they're going to get inside the door to help that organization get what it needs. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I know you have a great gift for our listeners, and you're going to let them know how to reach out to you and how to connect with you. So whether it's the gift or if they want to talk to you about how you help clients in Southern California, how do they reach you, Ray? And what do you have for them? Uh, they, let me let me begin by I'm going to have them reach out to my phone number because, as you know, right now I'm not at my computer. So uh, my number is nine five one six three four six seven one four. And you know, we always start this when we work inside of an organization. You never can get to where you want to go if you don't know where you are. And a lot of what this conversation about shared vision and fearless feedback is about conversation, how we get there. So what I'm offering these people is an opportunity to do our DISC profile. And the purpose of that is to help them understand their strengths. So when they're struggling a little bit, they can go back and say, you know, this is what I'm really good at. And I'm working in an area where I'm weak. And that's that's a mistake. So I, my hope for them is as they move forward, if this is of interest to them, It'll give them some valuable insights, and for those that respond, if I get enough, I'll even do a webinar on how they can use this tool to help them, first of all, become more effective for themselves, but how they can become more effective as salespeople. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that. Is it okay for them to email you as well? Yeah, and uh, my email is ray at andersonbusinesscoaching.com. And they can visit your website as well? Yes, it's the same, the same location. AndersonBusinessCoaching.com. So awesome. So email Ray at Ray at AndersonBusinessCoaching.com. Check out his website um, or give him a phone call and find out how you can be connected and take advantage of what he's offering. Ray, I just want to thank you again. Um, it's a pleasure to know you. I want to thank you for being on the show and I want to thank, thank you for staying connected. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate this opportunity and I hope that it's been able to help you and 
congratulations with your four-year-old son. Last time we talked, he was he was uh, he was just an infant. So thank you. I know. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. Well, I love staying connected to people, especially in California, as I we miss California very much and don't get back there often. So you brought a little bit of that sunshine to me today. So thank you, Ray. And I want to thank all of our listeners. We have listeners all over the world and I love hearing from you. You can email me directly at Ursula at salescoachnow.com. If you haven't gotten our gift yet, you can go to salescoachnow.com for our free webinar. It's called the Authentic Sales Formula, an entrepreneur's guide to serving more clients without being pushy or salesy. It's free. It's a $497 gift um, and it's a webinar. So it's an hour of content. So grab that if you haven't yet. Also, if you're looking for a sales trainer or speaker for your next sales training event or your next conference, email me at Ursula, U-R-S-U-L-A, at salescoachnow.com, and I'll put you in touch with someone on our team so they can help you get me to your next event. All right, everybody, thanks for being here, and make 2018 your most epic year yet. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Double Your Sales Now. To get even more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. That's salescoachnow.com. Join us again next week to learn how to double your sales now.